Show. Hi, this is Rachel. And this is Natalie. And we are the Insta Mamas. We are sisters with a podcast and we talk about everything from faith, healthy, clean living, adoption, foster care, motherhood, and everything in between. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Natalie and Rachel. And today we have kind of a heavier topic. I promise eventually we're going to do a more fun, lighthearted one, but today we're doing all about infertility. Yeah, and uh, but you know us, we're not like doom and gloom all the time. I think we serve a really good God and like infertility is not something that was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be this way. Mm-hmm. I. So anyways, we're going to talk all things about that, and um, but we just wanted to kind of do a checkup and talk to you guys. Time for your checkup. I guess check in. Anyway, so we just wanted to talk to you guys because we're, we're really trying to do more episodes more often, um, and we're hoping to do an episode every single week in November, which is National Adoption Awareness Month. Um, but yeah, we're just two moms with two crazy three-year-olds. <laughs> but Natalie's going to try and teach me how to edit so I can take some of that off of her back because I know that's a lot of it is why we don't post episodes all the time is we don't have people editing it for us it's just us and we don't really edit a whole lot it's not like I go and try to make a sound better or whatever it's just you have to like mix levels and it's the whole thing so anyways but um I'm feeling really good um almost two months ago I started um, a, a new diet called the Autoimmune Protocol, and basically for two or three months, you take out tons of foods, any food that could potentially be. Um, Rachel's trying not to sneeze, which looks really <laughs> funny. Um, that could potentially be inflammatory. So I took out coffee. I took out any kind of dairy, no nuts. cheese, no nuts, no monk fruit, no stevia, like nothing. Just and not that all those things are bad. Um, I took out nightshades, like tomatoes, um, seeds, nuts. Eggplants. Eggplant. Peppers. Peppers. And it's mm. not because any of those things are bad. Um, a lot of them are whole foods. And, you know, in keto and a ketogenic lifestyle, we're all about the whole foods. Um, but you basically, you take them out, you and then you add them in one at a time and see if you're, you specifically have... A reaction, and the and reason I'm doing this is because I have arthritis. Yeah, the purpose of it is not weight loss, even though Natalie looks great and she's Thank been you. so disciplined with this. I can't even imagine because the hardest thing is she took out coffee, and here I am drinking my cup of coffee. I know. And I just she sniff Rachel's has her coffee. tea. <laughs> Rachel probably thinks I'm a weirdo. I just sniff her coffee because I'm like I miss it, but um, but no, it's it's for a short time, and then life will be good again when I can drink coffee. Well, and. Yeah, and she still looks great, and she's she is slowly losing weight. It's not where, you know, in ketogenic, you lose weight pretty quickly. Um, and then when I, this last year, my kind of weight loss update is I've put on a few pounds, not horrifically. I've had a lot of stressors going back to work. The funny thing is a lot of people called it the quarantine 15. I lost weight during quarantine. I lost quite a bit of weight during quarantine, because I was hiking every single day and I was eating super healthy, but I've had a lot of life changes in my life and not to make excuses, but this whole journey, it's life. And I was starting to get very discouraged. Like my clothes are fitting a little bit tighter and I haven't gone to the point back of where, oh, I'm discouraged. I'm going to go eat a sleeve of Oreo cookies. It hasn't gotten to that point. I still stay away from sugar. I still stay away from a lot of high, high processed foods, but there has been, you know, 
things that I don't normally eat that I've been allowing back in my diet. And so now I'm going back into a more strict today. I had my chicken and bacon salad that was so delicious and I don't have to eat horrible things, but I kind of had a wake up call because was it the last Friday or the Friday before I had a donut at work and I hadn't had a donut in who knows how long. More than a year, probably. And donuts are probably the worst thing you can it's grab. Like all the carbs and all the sugar mixed together. And it's immediately after eating it, my stomach cramped up, my back hurt, I had heartburn, I had, and for the next couple of days, I really craved sugar and so stuff. So now you can be like, I'm allergic to donuts. Yeah, well, now, I mean. <laughs> Which we all are allergic to donuts, people, let's be real. But it was painful. So I'm just like, okay, there's a reason I don't eat like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to think that that was my life all the time, like well, cooking sugar. journey, and think about it. So I started this in 2019, May, and I've lost 70 pounds. I was uh, April, May. Oh, yeah, we started at the same time. Uh-huh. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, and you're down quite a bit too, 45 pounds? Yeah, from where I started, mm-hmm. when we started. And Rachel's shorter than me, and in a lot of ways, has, and she has less to lose than I do. So, I mean, but we even can't compare our own journeys. Yeah. Here's my daughter. You can hear her talking in so the So, you will hear our sweet, sweet girl. Well, I say our sweet, sweet girl. She's your sweet, sweet girl. <laughs> You'll hear her in the background. So, I mean, this is a mom's podcast, so if you're bothered, bothered by it then I don't understand (laughs) yeah we tried to get both of them to nap but it would have been a miracle to have Mm -hmm. that happen but anyway so if you hear that so we're both feeling good though and still on the journey that's the difference between like past weight loss things I think we've done is this really fad diet and then once you failed once you just gave up miserably Mm -hmm. and crash and burn and you go back to the old ways of eating and we're not going to do that we're not going to eat candy on halloween Mm -hmm. we're probably going to eat turkey on thanksgiving but not not. pumpkin pie yeah maybe a keto pumpkin pie which you can do Mm -hmm. and then um yeah and then christmas we we're going to be skinny at Christmas. No, yeah. <laughs> well, and then I guess if you just don't allow it in your house. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been it's been harder, I will say, going back to work in long hours. And then work has just been stressful. And I don't want to use that as an excuse. But I want there to be some transparency because you'll see our Facebook page and you'll be like, wow, those before and after pictures. And it's like, but you know what? We just had family photos done and I was 10 pounds heavier than I was during quarantine. And I just tell myself... We're just making waves. We're gonna, yeah, and we're, we're actually. I think next it. week's episode or next time's episode is going to be love the body you're in, mm-hmm. not the one you want, because you have to love yourself wherever you're at, mm-hmm. and and because God made that body, and yeah. and so anyways, we're going to do a whole podcast. Yeah, and I that. and I look at and it's good to go back and look at progress pictures because I'm like, well, I haven't gone back to that, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm right back at it. Mm-hmm. You, every day is a new day, clean slate. Here mm-hmm. we go again. <laughs> well, so um, a few things before we get started, too, is we wanted to tell you what we're reading and listening to. If you are looking for some inspiration, um, my Bible study is reading a book called Battle of Field of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. And it's crazy because so much of weight loss and how we view ourselves is a battlefield of the mind. Mm-hmm. This weight loss journey has been as much mental as it's been physical for me. And so we're learning. Uh, this book is so good. It's about breaking these like lies that Satan have, has told you and you believe for so long. So that's the book I'm reading. What are you reading, Rachel? 
Um, so I'm reading praying scripture over your children and it's really nice because it's maybe four or five pages a chapter and working full time and having a toddler. Well, I guess I keep saying toddler, but she's three now. Working full time and having a preschooler. It's a lot. And so it's nice to have just something quick and tangible that gives really great advice. Like, yeah. I like that. And it's really referenceable. I read that book with them with that same Bible study over the summer and then I switched Bible studies. But anyways, um, it's really referenceable if you're like, my kid's going through XYZ problem. You can mm-hmm. look up that problem in the book and they have all these scriptures. It's such a great book. So look those up. And then for podcasts, I'm listening to the Dave Ramsey show. She's the Dave Ramsey convert. I just love, well, of course, Always Risen Motherhood. They have a new episode each week. But Dave Ramsey has new stuff every day. And I'm kind of a podcast junkie when I'm doing the dishes. Oh, yeah. So I love Dave Ramsey. It helps me because we're trying to save money. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But Rachel, what podcast are you listening to? I have been so encouraged by uh, this kind of inspired me to do this podcast is Sarah's Laughter and Fertility. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of funny because I started listening to this podcast and it's just each week they interview a new woman and their infertility story. And it's so encouraging. It doesn't leave you discouraged because these stories are hard. But it just leaves you like, wow, God is so good through all this horrible times he's Mm -hmm. still so good and um so and but this is so funny because i texted natalie and i was like i think really think we need to do a podcast on infertility and now i was like oh my gosh i was thinking the same thing so we love how the lord really does put things on our hearts to Mm -hmm. share we want this podcast to be edifying and reach women for encouragement but we also want it to be fun and Mm lighthearted. but it's just so cool to see how god is working behind the scenes on our tiny little podcast in our kitchen yeah when if you know like motherhood is that way you're laughing one minute you're crying the next so this is just this is life so um speaking of life and (laughs) bringing it all together uh and many of you guys know about a year ago we brought our sweet little baby home from india and god has just blessed us and she is doing amazing and so we're gonna do it again we're gonna adopt again but from the philippines this time and so we officially signed up did the initial paperwork and we're doing it again i feel like we're a little bit crazy but it's and we (laughs) wouldn't be able to be doing it so soon if serby wasn't doing so well she's like bonded and she's just she is thriving physically mentally spiritually emotionally she's doing so well so we feel like all right god here we go again and uh, a lot of it's the same, but a lot of it's really different. So we'll be keeping you updated on that journey. And um, gosh, we're excited. It's Rachel Yay. and I, our great-grandfather, immigrated from the Philippines in the 1920s. Um, and so I'm really excited to kind of, I've never been to the Philippines, so I get to go to the Philippines and our child's going to be from there and there's amazing food there. So it's just going to be really good. I'm really excited. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really excited for you guys, too. I think it's going to be... I mean, just seeing how well Serby has done, it's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Well, and God is good. And that kind of does lead into our topic, because maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're struggling with infertility, and maybe you've thought about adoption. And um, it does hurt when people are say, oh, you should just adopt, because, you know, it's just adopting yeah like it's this easy thing that anyone can do we wanted to make it clear our journeys to adoption were not out of infertility especially natalie's yeah like we when we were first dating my husband and i talked about how like i wanted to adopt and he better be okay with that no i'm just kidding but seriously like it was 
so I feel I don't feel bad, but most people think that we found adoption or that's like a myth of adoption that people only do it because they couldn't have quote unquote their own kids, mm-hmm. um, which we don't feel that way. We, you know, um, but we just felt a calling to adoption. We always it was our number one. It was always um, our first choice, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. and we actually made a decision this year. I mean, I just turned 30. Ooh, I'm in my 30s, that we just we were not going to try to have children biologically, which is really hard for some people to hear. And we just felt that there were so many kids that already needed a family that, um, and we just saw the orphans in India and our hearts broke. And we just love our daughter so much. Like we can't imagine loving someone as much as we love her. So that's how we came to that decision. And it's a, and there's more to it than that, but I'm not going to tell you mm-hmm. all my dirty laundry. But anyways, but like, I can't imagine what women who do struggle with infertility go through. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have my beautiful daughter and I still hurt from infertility. It still hurts that just recently the time of month came around and I took a pregnancy test. And again, I just, I tried so hard not to be upset about it but I just came out of the bathroom and I just sobbed and I sobbed for a good probably the whole rest of the night but it's a little bit different than it used to be um nowadays I'm in such a good place with the Lord and my marriage is restored I know you listened to our previous podcast mm-hmm. I talked about and it's kind of embarrassing going back and listening to some of them because you can hear the bitterness in my voice <laughs> but I'm not going to air all the dirty laundry I feel like that's a separate podcast in itself talk about how my husband and I came back together but I was a single mom for a year and I was kind of hopeful like maybe I could get pregnant again you know maybe I could you know but so infertility went on the back burner because it wasn't an option when yeah you- it was an option I was single I was and you know I made a lot of mistakes during the time I was single but God's mercy and God's goodness but my husband and I coming back together and logically I can think okay we're healing we're renewing our vows God's worked this miracle why all of a sudden am I having this strong urge to want a baby again and it's so funny because I realized just because it was on the back burner that desire never went away and it was a good desire like God told us to to do it yeah to be fruitful and multiply multiply. (laughs) and this is we said in the beginning like this is the thing, before we get into infertility at all, and I do want to hear your story kind of from the beginning, um, God did not create it to be that way. Mm-hmm. Like, God created a perfect paradise where childbirth was not painful or dangerous or scary, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and women didn't miscarry, and women didn't struggle with infertility. And so, he, but we live in a sin- sinful, broken world, mm. and so it breaks God's heart, too. I think that's an important thing, don't you think? Mm-hmm. And I and if there's adoptees that are listening, I don't want you to feel like, oh, you have this kid and now you are just wanting your quote-unquote own kid still. My heart is, my daughter is my daughter. It mm-hmm. would make no difference if I carried her in my womb or not. And if God brings in another child through adoption, then yes, that would be wonderful. And that child would be, well, our children belong to God. But that children wouldn't be different if they were born biologically. But And we know lots of adoptive parents that have biological and adoptive kids. Mm -hmm. And what's the quote? I adopted two kids and 
biologically had two kids and I can't tell you who's who. Yeah, exactly. Like, cause it doesn't, like, honestly, if you've ever adopted, maybe it's hard to explain to people who haven't, but I can't look at my daughter and not think of her as my, 100% my daughter. Yeah, that's how I feel too. So then that's where the enemy comes in because I start to feel oh my gosh, I'm so selfish because God gave me this beautiful daughter. Some people don't even have any kids who want this so bad. But Natalie can give you background on this. When I was a kid, people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a mom. She wanted to be a mom. I had baby everything. I had multiple baby dolls. Like people had to stop giving me dolls for Christmas because that's literally all I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I was already having all my little baby dolls that I had in my she strollers. Had all and- different babies. And then my our other sister and I, we used to do like our, our dad worked in a, a newspaper. So we used to do a fake newspaper called the Dayton Daily Snooze. Because <laughs> yeah. he did he worked at the Dayton Daily News. And anyways we would do these stupid, we would record ourselves like doing stories and Rachel would always be the like crying mother with a baby in her arms in the stories and we'd be like, yeah. we'd like interview her and be like, what happened? And, and she would be like, there was a crime in this neighborhood and she always had a baby doll. Like, And mm-hmm. I just, we have all these videos and Rachel always had a baby doll and her babies always had all these backstories and names. And um, when I had the Oregon Trail, I'd have 10 kids. We talked about the Oregon Trail. I cared so much about my fake children. And she named them all and like actually got sad when they died. Like our cousins, if we had baby cousins, I always had a baby on my hip. She was the baby hog at every family reunion. I know. Our cousin Andrea would get so mad because she'd be like, you've been holding this baby forever. And oh, and even now she has a beautiful baby. Like one of the most beautiful babies I've ever seen. It's it's amazing because God does bring us on a journey. So like... Like, it took us four years to adopt our daughter, and I wasn't struggling with infertility at that time, or at all, but, like, it was hard when friend after friend after friend was pregnant and having a baby, and I, what, there was, like, ten pregnant ladies in our church last year. Like, oh, yeah. And, One of them had twins. Yeah. and So cute. And I'm like, oh, my... And Satan, that's what he does. He's like, ah, in the time I couldn't even adopt one child, my other friend gave birth to three kids. And you're mm-hmm. like... No, that was her plan. And I don't know the hurt she had to go through to birth those three children or not. Mm -hmm. You know, or um, so. Well, childbirth in itself hurts. Oh, my gosh. You give up your body for nine months. Well, not just for nine months and then all the time after. Pretty much the rest of your life. Yeah. Their life, I should say. Like, But it's it's just like, yeah. uh, But maybe Rachel can speak more to. Like, going from being bitter and so sad and so dejected to hearing someone's pregnant and being happy for them. Or hearing someone's adopting and being happy for them. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's so crazy because even sometimes I will still struggle with that. I'll hear a pregnancy announcement. And my first thought is to just, before I just, like, go into despair and tears and be like, why God? And now I start to feel that hurt. But then I feel the goodness of God. Like, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's almost, you know, the Bible talks about that peace that surpasses all understanding, just washes over me. And I say, God, you are so, so good. Even if I never get pregnant or there's no more children, which I really, truly don't believe that because I believe that God wants us to have an abundant life. And he's a good father that gives us good gifts. But he gave us his only son. So if I get nothing else in this life, I have the gift of his son and salvation. And so when I start to feel sorry for myself or get in that victim mindset, that's how I battle it. Like, no, I have the goodness of God. And it took 
seven years to get to that point because now I was single mom for a year so I can't say that I struggled infertility for those seven years because a year of that we were separated Mm -hmm. but I was (sighs) this was okay so when I first got married I had all these high hopes and expectations and I didn't even know what it meant to be a wife I was young I was all googly-eyed for my husband and we first off the bat said okay let's wait but we didn't go on any birth control we said it'll happen when it happens when everyone in our family is super fertile they just oh, yeah. like think about getting pregnant and it happens like our mom had six pregnancies and six kids and, and her mom had 13 children yeah and like um so it yeah and then we have sisters that all of children yeah there's 10 grandbabies between the six of us and even i mean there'll be more Mm -hmm. (laughs) nobody in our family i mean i don't and that we know truly know of struggle with infertility because that's another sad thing is it's just so hidden it's hidden because it's personal and it's painful and some people don't feel comfortable talking about it Mm -hmm. but and just so you know we are going to talk about like menstrual cycles and periods in this podcast, so if you're worried, yeah. about that, maybe yeah, don't listen to the so rest. I, I never really thought that perhaps I would deal with infertility. I mean, I never had regular menstrual cycles. I didn't even start till I was 15. When Natalie started before me, I was so freaked out. I went to my mom and I was like, "Oh my gosh, she started before me. Is there something wrong with me?" And that was such a weirdo. I was mad you told mom. <laughs> yeah. I like didn't want it to be a big deal. I didn't want anyone to know. But okay, if you know anything about our family. We are embarrassing about periods. Like, oh, we yeah. We all sisters, so... <laughs> like, we wanted to have a moon party for my little sister, and she was so embarrassed. Yeah, it's like we told everyone, thing. like, isn't this so wonderful? She's a woman now, like... <laughs> yeah, but, I tell strangers and people at church I'm a woman now, and I'm turning beet red. Anyways. But I never had regular cycles, really, but I was a very overweight child and teenager, but I never had regular cycles. My hormones were always off. I'd have cysts on my ovaries. I wasn't diagnosed with PCOS. A lot of people think, like, oh, well, maybe you have PCOS, because I had cysts on my ovaries sometimes that was painful but yeah but I mean and pretty soon I'm actually going to go back in and get retested for all of this stuff now that my husband and I have come back together but doctors would say there's really like I think you shouldn't have a problem getting pregnant it was kind of a fear in the back of my mind Mm -hmm. but I was just like well god you know how much I love children so this shouldn't be when every job you've ever had has been like serving young people and children in some way Mm -hmm. like so I just feel like it's been your heart and I don't think that God is just gonna like he's never wasted that ability and Mm -hmm. that strength Mm -hmm. in you well and then especially you know we became foster parents if you go back you can listen to that journey but we didn't become foster parents because of infertility I just figured that eventually figured I just she figured eventually I figured eventually Sorry, I would just get no you're funny I like we get that southern accent but we grew up up in Washington so I don't even know where that comes from but we I just fig- figured that I would get pregnant but year after year after year and instead of turning to God I'd have moments where I'd have breakthroughs and be like okay God I give this to you you're a good God I love you but then I just became bitter and I really question God's the goodness. goodness yeah and I and I just and I put all these timelines on myself I'd be like okay I'm I'm gonna get pregnant by Christmas and so then everybody could open up their presents and it say 
auntie or grandma or grandpa and I just couldn't wait and of course everyone would be asking why are you guys having kids because I they knew me they knew I loved children and I kept putting these timelines and I'd be like okay by my next birthday I'll have a kid by this by this and then we got really into fostering and that's the part where I was trying to fill that void and it did help when I'd have a house full of children but what I did is I neglected my marriage and anytime he didn't know how to help me and he had his own things that he had to work through and everything just kind and of... And everyone keeps asking you. It's hard when you're newly married and and people don't know you're struggling with infertility. And then they ask you, like, um, look at us both getting really teary-eyed here. But um, I know. I'm like, people ask you when you're going to have kids or if you get sick at all. They're like, oh, you're pregnant, you're pregnant. And it's like... When people used to say that to us all the time, because people didn't know we weren't struggling with fertility, but infertility, but they'd be like, oh, as soon as you adopt that baby, you're going to be pregnant. It's funny. People would say that to us because we had our four kids that we had the three for two years almost, and the little one that we brought home from the hospital, we hunted for about five months, and we were, it was looking like it was going to be adoption, and people would say, watch, you're going to adopt those four kids, and then you're going to get pregnant. Like, Adopting a child is this magical fertility treatment. Yeah. Well, and, and it makes it sound like like adoption was this, like, the only way you could, like, be happy in life. And it's mm-hmm. like, we did not... And I know people get to that point, and maybe I'm judgmental here, but adoption shouldn't be that. Adoption is just another way to become parents. Yeah, you don't want to get to adopt and be like, oh, okay, we're adopting because this is our only last final option it's because i feel because it's god puts it on your heart well this and that's is, a lot of agencies now actually make you get counseling if you struggled with infertility they make you wait so many months or even mm-hmm. sometimes like a year before you adopt because they want you to have healed from the infertility and the like because it is a lost dream you mm-hmm. know yeah. it's and sometimes it's a physical thing that people are having lots of miscarriages and mm-hmm. i mean it's so that's why I try to be very sensitive. You never know what someone's going through. So don't be like, when are you having kids? Or, you know. or. And there was a time where I still don't know. It could have possibly been a miscarriage. I was three or four weeks late on my monthly cycle. Because I was able, at one point, I did it through food, eating completely clean. I completely cleaned up my diet. I had lost 40 pounds. I was doing Whole 30, and that was probably the healthiest I've even healthier than when I do keto, I'm sure. Because, yeah, paleo and whole 30 are like very, very strict. strict. It's close to what I'm doing now, but yeah, very strict. Um, And I had been able to get a regular monthly cycle every month, and then all of a sudden I was woke up in the middle of the night and I was cramping so bad and it hurt so bad and even the next day I went to the doctor and I'm not even going to go into detail about all the messiness that came from it and she asked her like well, when was your last period and she's like oh you could be having a miscarriage but she's it's hard if those are what are they called like a chemical or is that when it's earlier than that a chemical miscarriage or I'm it's not a sure, very yeah. early miscarriage where you haven't even had a positive pregnancy test yet yeah, I so know, I don't know mean. any of the science behind it, but the doctor was like, you could be having a miscarriage. We don't know, but it was a very painful, and I just didn't go there because I'm like, I, you know, I've never, I've never been able to get pregnant. I've never been able, you know, so I just, you know, I kind of just gave it to God and was like, I can't. But there would just be times where I would be 
on the bathroom floor, another pregnancy test, opened another one, just keep taking it again and again. And I don't know why I was torturing myself like that. And I would just fall to the floor and cry and cry and cry and be like, God, you are so cruel. How can you do this to me? You don't understand. I'm raising all these other people's children for you. And that's where the pride would come in. I'm raising these other people's children, these people of women who can just get pregnant and get their babies taken away from them. And then you're not even letting me just get pregnant with one. I was like, just one, Lord. And even um, when we lost went through that loss when we lost those four kids my sister had just had a baby and i was no did she like she had just had a becca it was oh her yeah baby. and then another sister announced she was pregnant, yeah so like, here i am week my sister and her husband went on a date and i loved her boys and so she asked me to babysit and i'm sitting here holding her beautiful baby i'm overcome with emotion i just am like god this is something that I want. Isn't this a pure desire? Like, why is it a bad thing? You promise that you'll give us the desires of our heart. I don't want anything more, God. This is what I want. And I'm looking at her beautiful baby boy. And then my other sister FaceTimes me. And she announces her pregnancy. And it's such an exciting thing because I'm going to get another nephew. I love my nieces and nephews. But it was so painful when she said that. Mm -hmm. And after I was done FaceTiming, I just held that little baby and I just sobbed. This little baby's probably like, what's wrong with this woman? <laughs> but him and I are super close to this day. So I, kind, I guess I kind of feel like him and I have a very special bond because I was going through such a loss too. And then him and Ariana are super close because we had gotten Ariana. And We're about the same age. Now that I'm able to look back, Gosh. It had to happen that way. Like, mm -hmm. this is not the same, and please don't think I'm, I'm saying this, but about two years into our adoption process, we were adopting from Ethiopia. We had paid almost everything, which the money we didn't even think about till later. It didn't mm -hmm. matter to us. But we, we had done all the paperwork. We were waiting to be matched with a child, and the country closed for adoptions. Mm -hmm. And it is not the same thing because it was not physical, but other people would tell us, they're like, oh, like, grieve it like you would grieve a miscarriage. I would say you would grieve it like a miscarriage because it was a loss. I mean, I would have dreams about this gorgeous little Ethiopian baby in my mm. arms. And that dream was taken away from us, and the country still closed. And, and we had to deal with it and give it to God, but it was so hard. It was well, devastating. I've, you question the goodness of God. And it's like, why is the first thing we do is question God's goodness when he gives us breath in our lungs and life every well, and day? Sir, I would, I'm getting emotional, but if it had worked with Ethiopia, we wouldn't have adopted Serbi. And that's what I will... I just can't imagine life without Serbi. She's perfect. And that's how I feel about Ariana. You know, if we would have... You know, in our earlier foster days, if we would have gotten pregnant and then started having children... Would have we have kept fostering? Would have we, Maybe you know? would have taken a break or... We don't know. And now God had the right child at the right time. But here's the other thing is I believe, looking back now, that our marriage needed to be fixed, needed to be come back together in unity in Christ. And God restored. had... And restored. And God had to work through my bitterness. Natalie, I was so bitter like, I couldn't even... Well, I, and having a baby wouldn't have fixed that. No. It? Well, and so God had to work on my heart. He's like, okay, this is infertility, but God needs to work on your heart. I was coming from a place of hurt. But I remember watching a video 
of this guy who I know this is kind of gross, but some women when they go to the bathroom at night don't flush the toilet because they don't want to wake up their other kids because toilet flushes are loud and some kids are light sleepers. So he went in the bathroom and took a pregnancy test for his wife. That's so weird. <laughs> is that weird? Hey, my husband should never ever do that. But, <laughs> but it's kind of a cute video because then he tells your his wife, you're pregnant. She's like, wait, what? And so he finds out before she does. So it's kind of cute how he announces it to her. How he stole and- her pee? That's so close. <laughs> I know. But I remember hard. watching the video and my aunt was showing me the video. Because she's like, isn't this a funny, cute video? And I got really angry. And I was like, why is it such a big deal? It's like their third kid. Like, why would you even post about that? Why would they be so excited about having another baby? They already have two. Like, like they didn't have a right to be excited or announce their pregnancy. Mm. Like, And my aunt even looked at me. She's like, Rachel, you're such a joyous person. And she's like, and she, pray, and she actually prayed with me because I remember just crying. And she's like, and she could see the bitterness in me. And she's like, you really got to give that to God, that unfairness, how I think this is unfair. This is, you know. And but God is the God who spoke creation into being. How can I look at him and say, God, this is unfair when he sees the whole picture? Lewis and I had to go through what we had to go through, and God has restored our marriage beautifully. But he had to work through my own bitterness. I would go to baby showers and I would go in the bathroom and cry. And then I'd have to come out, wipe my tears, and pretend like I'm okay. I would be so jealous of my sisters and you know what jealousy causes it causes resentment it causes ugliness it causes you don't get to enjoy because like we're in a season of life where a lot of people are having babies Mm -hmm. and you know i i was never to that deep of, of pain but it was hard especially after ethiopia closed and before we'd kind of decided we were going to adopt from india there was a season that was very painful and it was hard to be around my friends with young children. And it was hard to be around my friends. Um, well, and especially when people would say to you, like, oh, you'll understand when you're a mom. That cuts deep. When you were a mom. Yeah, I know. foster mom. Like, <laughs> it's like I was had hard kids. Because all my friends had kids. I was the only one. And they were like, you're next, you're next. And I have the best friends. They were so supportive and so lovely and helped us through all that painful time. But, yeah, I... Mm-hmm. It was really great when God did bring me to the point where I could go to a baby shower and just be excited for them mm-hmm. or hear a baby announcement and not think about my own adoption for five mm-hmm. minutes. Like, I'd be like an hour later, oh, yeah, like, I don't have my child yet, but that's okay. Like, yeah. you know, and because at some point with all kind of motherhood, you just have to give it to God. Yeah. Because you can't hold on to it so tightly. And the thing is, too, is I had to I had to lay down my own pride. I thought I was just this wonderful mom who just took care of all these children and did all these things and checked all the boxes. But they're, you know, and it's like, but no, you were far from perfect. You had a lot of, I kind of was living my life on a pedestal. I'd have, like, like I said, I'd have these breakthrough moments with God where I'd feel really close to him and i feel, but instead of cracking open my Bible and instead of going to him in prayer, I'd just go to him angry. Like, how dare you, God? How could you treat me like this? How could, you know? Like and, you'd done the formula, so now you deserve the Yeah, the exactly. And, and that doesn't work that way. And I thank God that year that my husband and I were separated, the first 
like months into it, probably until the beginning of this year, I was still fighting against God. I was really fighting against him. I was still wanting my own ways. I was still making pretty big mistakes, but God was just so merciful through it all, taking care of me as a single mother. So merciful. Um, the beginning of the year, this like last January of 2020, I had an ultimate low point. I had made a lot of mistakes. I had hurt some people. I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to crawl myself out of this hole. And I was sitting at church and I was sobbing and I had this daughter and I was feeling like the worst mom ever. And this beautiful woman came into my life that God sent and she's been counseling me and she's been so good for me. And when Natalie first announced her adoption, I was able to be transparent with her and say, I'm so happy for my sister that she gets to adopt and her house will be full of kids. And I'm so thankful for my one daughter. And I just started crying, but I'm like, I always imagined I would have a house full of kids. That's my heart. I've always wanted to be a mother. And I said, and now I'm feeling jealous for my sister and these are coming up again and she just taught me he was like you know how you fight jealousy and she's like you fight it with gratefulness mm -hmm. and so now I wake up in the morning and thank God you're so good and the hard part about infertility is there's really no closure uh, yeah. you know it's an ongoing thing is this the month I'm going to get pregnant is this the month I'm going to have a baby and then when that period comes it's almost like okay I have to start all over again and you just cry out to cry out and so God started to reveal to me he said Rachel how are you going to respond so here you are you're back with your husband I've done all these wonderful things and then the first period comes and you're just going to fall apart and be in despair and so I went back to the Bible how do I respond and I went to my own story, Rachel, and the Bible. And my life is so par uh, parallel to hers. I mean, you know, I'm... She's like, give me children or I'll die. Yeah, she cursed her husband, like, give me children or I'll die. And he's like, who am I to be in charge of the fruit of your womb, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just like, oh my goodness. And that jealousy she had towards her sister. How sad is it that Leah and Rachel had to fight each other because they shared a husband and that story is so sad it's so sad what their father did to them yeah but it's also wonderful how god used both those women to like create a legacy for his people and mm -hmm. a strong and rachel's son joseph is an incredible story of redemption and god and when i was reading that and reading all these different women hannah her response was she went to God and she wept at his feet. And she just, to the point where they're like, ooh, honey, like, get are off you, the wine. Like, why are you drunk? Like, <laughs> she, I'm not drunk. I'm sad. She's like, I'm not drunk. I'm pouring. And then he says, oh, this next, this time next year, you'll have a baby in your arms. And she's like, okay. You know, and she believed and trusted in the promise of God. With Sarah, she laughed. Like, <laughs> and God. it's also, it's painful. Like. Because sometimes when you believe the promise of God, like if God told you today that you'd have a baby in your arms a year from now, it'd be a really scary promise to believe. Mm -hmm. And you'd have to believe it in the power of God. And then also God like answers our prayers in ways we don't understand sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the thing he took away is the very thing that would have caused us harm or mm -hmm. we thought or what it wasn't the right time. Timing is so important. But yeah, it's... I just always imagined, especially coming into your 30s, you start to get worried. They call them geriatric pregnancies after 35. Is that the right word? Geriatric? Geriatric pregnancies. Like, <laughs> geriatric. You know, because you're so much older. And then it's like, okay, Sarah had a 
baby in her 90s. And that used to make me mad because I'm like, I don't want to wait till I'm 90 years. Who wants to have a baby at 90, you know? Oh gosh, yeah. And, but, like, God is so good because he uses barrenness and the Bible for some of his biggest miracles. I love that when Mary first found... I love Mary's response when God told her... When the angel came and told her that she'd have the Son of God... How she said, okay, let your will be done. Like she said, Well, okay. and that would have been really scary. And it just goes to show that God can literally do anything. He used moms to bring mm-hmm. in the Savior of the world. He could have come in as a big, powerful man, but he came in as a baby. and Who relied on his mother. You and know? the first person who recognized him as the Savior of God, when Rachel went to her cousin, and the angel was like, God can do anything. And he shows that he can go do anything by giving barren women babies. Because when he was talking about the Savior of the world, that God can do anything, when Mary's like, well, how's he going to do this? This is like, I'm a virgin, you know? And he's like, God can do anything. Your cousin, Elizabeth, who was barren, is now having a baby. Mm-hmm. So he uses that example. And you see so many barren women over and over and over and how God uses that miracle. When I think God uses babies in so many ways, people's hearts are so tender to little ones. Mm. Like whenever we're, it's funny because we have this little like, um, this little taught like preschool book about the baby Jesus. And it doesn't matter if it's July or whatever time of the year, the preschoolers always want me to read the The baby baby Jesus. Jesus. They only care about the baby Jesus. And like, and not just at Christmas time, and I, and I think it's like God came so humbly, mm-hmm. and you, and you know, it's, it's so a part of His plan, but we have to trust that plan. Well, and then I started to just because I got really obsessive about checking ovulation, taking my temperature every day, making sure I was, you know, and I got really obsessive about it. Like most women do, and I, I'm not coming at this from a judgmental point because I understand you want that so badly, and I now I'm just able to be like, you know, all those women in the Bible who are barren and God gave them children, they didn't have something to test. Are your ovaries open? How many follicles do you have? You know, they didn't have IVF treatments. They didn't have drugs to boost your hormones. They didn't have any of that. But they just had God. They only had God to trust in, which is a pretty great thing. Well, okay, I think it's kind of like, okay, so I do want to talk about the control aspect of trying to get pregnant, but it's kind of like weight loss. Like, you can be legalistic about weight loss or even, like, reading your Bible or what anything you can be legalistic about. Mm -hmm. For me, I weigh myself every single day, and I track it in an app, and sometimes I get obsessive about it, and I just have to take a break from weighing myself every day. But it's really helpful to weigh myself because then I can see how I react to different foods and environments. And like, oh, yeah, I kind of slept poorly and I didn't lose weight. Or, you know, and I don't expect to lose weight every day. Mm -hmm. But it's nice because if you weigh yourself every day, then you can look back in a year and see, oh, this is all the progress. And you can see the ups and downs. And and, um, that time of the month, I always get to gain a couple pounds anyway. So, Mm -hmm. but it's it can be the same with fertility and trying to figure out like I don't think there's anything wrong with tracking your fertility and we have these amazing apps that help mm-hmm. but when it becomes a god in your life that's when it's a problem yeah. and I wanted to ask you like okay so there's this control aspect oh if I fix my diet or if I take these pills or if I do these treatments that's going to be the thing that saves me can you speak to that a little bit yeah, and even 
and then being angry when it doesn't go your way and saying, God, I've done this and this and this and this. These women who are doing drugs are having babies addicted to drugs and, you know, and I'm getting so, so angry. And then God's like, uh, Rachel, do you see what I've done for you? I've sent you a beautiful daughter. So I don't want people, I start to feel selfish and kind of a little bit self-conscious when it comes to talking about infertility because I love my daughter and I don't want her to ever feel like she's not enough. But I love in the Bible when God told Rachel, because she was trying to control it too. She gave her maidservant to her husband. It was like, sleep with her. He, he even had to take her as a wife. Now, Jacob was kind of dumb in the fact that he could have said no. He could have said, but, you know, he was like, sweet. We'll try to have another baby with her. And so that Dude broke, ended up with four wives for crying out loud. Broke the intimacy between them, broke the intimacy with God. But you know what? I love in the Bible because after all those mistakes that Rachel made, she made a lot of mistakes. She even stole from her father. Like, she made a lot of mistakes. But the Bible specific, I was reading my Bible one night, and the, it specifically said, then God remembered Rachel. And I just started to cry because I'm like, I know you remember me, God. Mm-hmm. I know you love me so much, and you hurt with me when I hurt. But it's so freeing to give that to God because I felt like I was in such bondage. So I know we've talked a lot about the spiritual because this is a spiritual thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so near and dear to our hearts. But, and this is something we were, we almost didn't want to talk about it because we're like, if you're going through infertility, people have probably said, well, get healthy and you'll have a baby or mm-hmm. do X, Y, and Z or just take this pill. And, but we do want to talk to, there's some practical physical things you can do because this is kind of, I don't know, a health podcast, but, you know, like, and I don't, we just know from a lot of friends and a lot of people who have gotten healthy and it made them, but that's kind of, for, for me too, getting healthy is obedience to God too. Mm-hmm. Well, our bodies are a temple and there are people that I know who are super healthy and still have unexplained infertility. And I lost 40 pounds to try to get healthy. The main benefit is my cycles are on time every month they're right on time and when I stop eating healthy they just completely stop like that whole time during fostering there was a point between two years where I didn't have a menstrual cycle and I went to the doctor she never once said anything about my weight she's like well I don't really see why you shouldn't be having one but unless you want to have one you can get on birth control but I've always been really against um, hormonal, (laughs) hormonal birth control because it does dysregulate and disrupt your hormones so much and my hormones were already all over the place but um but she never addressed the weight and I I know that's hurtful to some women who are like okay well because you can be overweight and get pregnant it happens all the time yeah you know um but just for the benefit of honoring your body and I'm a better mom to Ariana when I am sleeping well and eating well and then you have more energy to do things like get up and go for a walk or so it even because even Natalie you didn't struggle with infertility but you said that if you were at the weight you were at when you went to India you don't even know how you would have been able to do it. No, I wouldn't have fit in a rickshaw. I was huge. <laughs> you would have probably had to get a seatbelt extender at the airport. I don't know if I was that point. I don't know. I was getting pretty big. <laughs> okay, I'm not trying to be rude. <laughs> no, but let me be. Let me be really real with you guys. I was really big, and 
it was and so much pain on top of I, that and my it was I was in pain so I ate to deal with the pain it's a whole nother thing I think we talked about it in a different pod but I was just go listen to all our other <laughs> shameless plug yeah. go listen to all of our podcasts but I mean I was gaining between 10 and 15 pounds a year for like mm. eight years and it was just adding and adding and my doctor never said anything he was always like well you probably lose weight you just need to exercise. You just need to exercise. I'm like, I'm in physical agony and pain all the time, and you're telling me I just need to exercise? So mm-hmm. I lost 70 pounds without exercising. I'll just tell you guys that. Yeah, I exercise just because I enjoy it. I, I'm not against exercising. I'm just telling you, my you diet You can't was... outrun your diet. Yeah, go listen to Christy Code Red if you want to hear more about that. <laughs> anyways, but when I lost a little over 50 pounds right before we went to India... I could not have done India 50 pounds heavier. Like, I mean, by the grace of God, probably I could have. But, like, I think, and it wasn't like God was waiting till I lost the weight to send us to India. But it was the kindness of God that he mm, led me mm-hmm. to this lifestyle. And I would have been so uncomfortable. And we had to be on trains in the middle of the night. And I had to crawl, crawl up these this tiny little ladder. And I had to crawl into these tiny auto rickshaws. And there, it just... It w- and I had to walk all these places, and I would have been in way more pain, and I wouldn't have been able to physically have done some of those things. Yeah. And, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of times I was carrying Serbia around in India because she didn't want to be held by anyone else. And so I was carrying her around. If I was 50 pounds heavier, that just wouldn't have been something I could have done. It's just God knew. So it wasn't like God was saying, you don't get your baby until you lose the weight. But I do think... When I obeyed God, because he spoke to me a long time ago that I would find health and healing through fixing my body. And when I made this not about some fad diet or losing weight really fast. Or for the physical aspect of it. It's mm -hmm. literally now, I just, it's going to save my life. Yeah, and because, I mean, I don't care if I, I mean, it feels nice to look good, but my husband loved me. 70 pounds ago he <laughs> loves me now he doesn't you know mine so, too that's <laughs> funny my pictures uh my before pictures a lot of people look really sad in them like I'm so fat and I'm like, <laughs> my before. but I'm laughing because my husband's making me laugh and he's, he's he's saying something and he's making me laugh but it was yeah. I do feel like and I'm not saying oh if you lose weight God's gonna give you a baby because that's not how God works mm-hmm. but I am saying looking back I'm like oh yeah God needed to bring me some health and healing, so then I was prepared. And I'll tell you, I'm a way better mom because I can change diapers on the ground and I can pick up things and I can pick up my daughter and I can play on the floor with her. And that's honestly my why. Why I'm doing this stupid, strict diet that I hate is because (laughs) of her. I want to be even healthier and I want to be be everything for her. And the deepest, darkest part of my despair... When I was in such a dark place, God brought me Ariana. And I hadn't dealt with all my emotions. I hadn't dealt with my anger. I hadn't dealt. So there's not like this special recipe. Like as soon as I deal with this, God's going to have this happen. Because God brought me Ariana when I was in the middle of upheaval. Yeah. My whole life turned upside down right after I adopted, right after we adopted Ariana. And But I just look back and I'm like, wow, God, you're so merciful. I come downstairs and Ariana and my husband are reading a book together. And I never thought he would want to parent with me. And I never thought we would have this relationship where we're laughing and we we can't go to sleep because we're up all night talking to each other. You know, it's just, and it's like, God, look what you've given me. 
So when I start to feel jealous, and if you are struggling with infertility, let me talk directly to you. I love that in the Sarah's Infertility Podcast, she always says, if this woman was sitting right next to you, what would you say to her? I would say it's the pain is going to be there because, like I said, it's kind of a it's cycle. It's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. You're not cursed. God doesn't curse us. It's not a punishment for something that we've done in our past. Because I used to think that too. God's just punishing me for my more wild years and the mistakes I've made. But no, God's not punishing you. Because you want to have women getting pregnant every day like that you do. And God loves you. He, You are his precious daughter. And your worth is not in whether you can have a baby or not. That is not where your worth comes from. And so really seek the Lord. Really seek. Because there's a purpose behind our pain. God doesn't just let us go through things just because. So really seek the Lord and say, Okay, Lord, what is your purpose through all of this? And how can I grow? Because we can't grow unless we're uncomfortable. That's true. And honestly, like, it's with all trials and tribulations in our life, which are, we're promised, we're going to have trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. Thankfulness. Gratefulness. Just be every day when you start to feel that jealousy or you're walking down the street and you see that little baby when you're I, I see babies everywhere I go. I mean, it's insane. And I'll start to feel that oh and then I just tell myself, I start naming off all the things. I have a nice house, I have my husband, I have my daughter, we're financially set right now. You know, like I just go, God, thank you for this, thank you for this, thank you for this, thank you for this. And if you can't think of anything to be thankful for because you're in such a dark place, Say, Lord, thank you that I'm breathing. This breath. And now. We don't see the breaths that we take, but we can feel them. So we say, Lord, And we feel them when we don't have them. Yeah. Thank you that I'm breathing in and out. And if that, just out of obedience, even if you don't feel it, even if you say, thank you, Lord, for my house, thank you, and you're like, I'm not really feeling this, just do it out of obedience, and you'll see the change it'll make in your heart. And go back to God's word. And look at all those stories where women dealt with infertility and look at how their stories turned out yeah and i think about there's so many times in the bible where the promise was like right there Mm. and it's like what if i turned away from the miracle like what if we had stopped adopting after ethiopia yeah what if we which nobody would have blamed you for they'd be like wow you know honestly when people heard we were adopting a second time they were like they're excited for us, but they're kind of like, wasn't the first one really hard? Like, aren't, yeah. you, aren't you just like... They're kind of confused. Why are you wanting to do that again? T- take your take your kid and be done. Like, you yeah. got the good thing. And, and but God, when God calls it, it's, what is the verse? Um, a man can, like, make his plans, but God orders his steps. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, if God doesn't build the house, it ain't getting built. And mm-hmm. so if God wants us to adopt again... We're going to do it. And even though we're kind of nervous about the money because I'm not working and we have a special needs child that has a lot of needs and that's expensive too. And I just said, no, I just don't let those, mm-hmm. those thoughts in. And I just am grateful and say, and, and even, you know, I struggle with a lot of physical pain and I know it's not the same as emotional pain, but cause emotional pain is worse. <laughs> um, but I struggle with a lot of physical pain and I'll be so mad at my body And I think a lot of people who struggle with infertility are just mad at their bodies. Yeah, because other people 
just get pregnant so easily. Mm-hmm. But then you also don't know all the behind the scenes of that person's story, too. And you would never want to take on the pain of somebody else. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. But I used to be so mad at my body, and I would just be, just complain to even God about my body all the time. Be like, I hate my body. I hate how it looks. I hate how it works or doesn't work. And God was like, you have a body. <laughs> yeah. Like, quit complaining. You, this is a good body. And he's been showing me ways to make it better and healthier. And mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. You gave me this life, and I was complaining about it. And, and there's a difference between complaining and grieving. It's yeah. okay to grieve things you will yeah. never have. I grieved that I didn't get the first nine months of my daughter's life. I have grieved that. But we don't dwell in that grief because we do not grieve like those who have no hope. Exactly. If we could end this, I know this was a heavy podcast, but I wanted to end it with hope. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing that both, I think, Rachel and I had to get to, is I got to a point where I said, Lord, if you never give me even one child, my life was still good. Mm-hmm. And my life was still full. And my life was still happy. Because there's a lot of things in my life that people don't have that they want. Mm-hmm. And God has been so good. And provided every single need. And so I think we have to get to that mountaintop moment with God where we say, No matter what, Lord. Even you where are Abraham's good. he's laying his son down at the altar. Because really, they aren't our kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were times in India where we were afraid that they were gonna try to like not let us adopt our daughter. Mm-hmm. And we had worked so hard. And we were there and I had met her and held her in my arms, and there was a chance that she could be taken away. And mm. part of me wanted to rage and kick and kick the wall. But God was like, just drew me to him. And I just held my hands open. I wish you guys could see me right now. When you give your children to God, you're holding them with your hands open. You know, and Rachel's going to take a picture of it. for. This is this is the best advice I got from this lovely lady is, is you hold your children with your hands open. Mm. And that's really hard we love our children so much we loved our daughter before we ever got to hold her or see her i told rachel i was like i i think i texted you the night i met her and i said i know what my daughter smells like <laughs> yeah. like it's such a weird thing to think but i was like yeah. for these the gosh 12 months where we had a picture of her but didn't know anything else about her pretty much i didn't know what she smelled like or how she sounded or you know and i got to know these things and but yeah we hold our children because God loves them and knows the plans that he has for them more than us. Mm, and that's that is beautiful. very hard. And that's our children that haven't even been conceived yet. Mm-hmm. We pray for our little babies in Philippines. And we pray that if they're, you know, even in the world right now, we don't know if they're even born yet. We yeah. say, Lord, I pray someone's kissing them and loving them. But above all, that they know they're loved by you. Mm. And that's the only prayer we can give them right now because we don't know them yet. And it's so cute because Ariana wants a baby. She keeps talking about that all the time. She kind of has a mother's heart like I do. Mm-hmm. And so she prays for her baby sister every night. She's like, Lord, send me a baby sister. Lord, send me a baby. And it used to kind of sting a little bit. Because she even would do that when I was separated from my husband. And I'd be like, ugh. You know, but now, the other day I asked her, I said, well, what if God sends you a baby brother? And she's like, then he can hold my baby sister. <laughs> <laughs> she is dead set that it's going to be a baby sister. And so I'm, and I tell her, I say, God hears the prayers of children, but sometimes God answers our prayers in ways that we Speak can't understand. Yeah. So Speak we just pray life. with full faith. We say we pray it, but we also believe it. <laughs> yeah. And we have hope. 
We don't yeah, mourn like those who have, have no hope. hope. And we have this like unrelenting love mm-hmm. that is, like you said, peace that passes understanding. Yeah, it is true. If mm-hmm. you are feeling that dark bitterness, I can tell you from my own experience. And the other day I sat on Natalie's porch and I just cried to her. And I told her, it still hurts. But you know what? It's different than it was before. So if you are feeling like you are in this dark despair, even if you're going through second infertility, if you have a baby biologically or adopted like we had, and you're wanting more children, and right now God's saying no, and you can't understand, it's you can climb yourself. Well, you can't climb yourself, but God can pull you out yeah. because he's done that with me. And Natalie has seen me in the valley and she's seen the difference now mm-hmm. where I've come from. And that is only by the grace of God. Yeah. It's by the grace of God that any of us get to be mothers. Mm-hmm. And that we can survive motherhood from day to day. So. Well, it's funny. It's only a 30% chance that you can get pregnant no matter how healthy you are. So the fact each that. Each month, yeah. Each month. So pregnancy in itself is a miracle. It is. Well, and I'll tell you, I'm a person who has decided that I do not want to have children biologically and, you know, every once in a while you have, like, the scare. And, I mean, I don't even like to call it a scare because if it happened, it happened. For us, it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, I'll do the pregnancy test. I'm like, ah, could I be pregnant? You know, because it happens. And I'm sad when it's negative. And I'm like, I did not want to. But I think there's something in us that wants to be mothers and and wants to. And, you know, I'm a person in my mind who's decided I'm not going to physically have children that way. But. It's just that's the way it is. I think God put it in us. And if he gave you this desire, he's going, he who started a good work, he's going to finish that work. Mm -hmm. And that to me as a mother who makes mistakes a lot and every day, I'm so grateful. And I read that verse to myself a lot because I say, okay, he's not done working. Mm. So, well, thanks for listening. And if you ever want to know more, we are pretty open books about things you know you can't argue with our testimony yeah and so you can email us at instamamas19 at gmail.com you can find us on social media on instagram instamamas that and ratch we did have our own separate ones but we've combined now and now it's we, just easier and yeah. now we started blogging so yeah, we have we a facebook a... page which we know nothing about so we're be gracious figuring it out and it's I... just under instamamas <laughs> it's instamamas not and rage oh instamamas that and ratch so yeah we uh we're trying to grow our community and um we want to reach women so we are so grateful for you um let us know. Reach out to us if you need advice or prayer or love and support. Because we haven't been everywhere. We've, we've been a lot of places. So, mm-hmm. All right. Well, we love you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.